You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Hi there, friends. Good to be with you today. As you know, Pastor Dan and his family uh, are away for a few weeks. Um, or maybe you didn't know that, but they're away for a few weeks. So I get the opportunity to share with you today, and I'm glad for the chance to do so. Hope you're doing well. It's been an interesting few months. Um, seems like COVID-19 is uh, changing our lives very well. Uh, we're all looking forward to getting back to some semblance of normal. Uh, until we do, we're trying to slug it out. And I'd like to share with you today some thoughts that deal specifically about that. Um, we had uh, shared a song this week on Worship Wednesday about praising God in the storm and knowing that he's faithful regardless of what we face. And I want to talk to you about that same kind of a, a topic today. And I hope what I have to, to say will be helpful to you and will help uh, give you some tools to be able to not only manage through this season, but really take advantage of the opportunities that God is giving us uh, as a result of the uh, experiences that we're having. Um, let me begin with a story uh, that took place a number of years ago. I, um, as many of you know, I speak in a lot of different churches. I'm in different places very often. And a couple of years ago, I was speaking in a church up in Newark, New Jersey. And after the service, the pastor, who's a good friend of mine, uh, invited me out to lunch with he and his wife. And um, he got in his car, and I followed him. And he took off, and he really had no idea that somebody was following him. And he had this little restaurant somewhere in the recesses of Newark that he wanted to take me to. And um, he took all these back roads, and he was flying. I had no idea where I was going. And I was chasing him. I was, I was thinking just, uh, I don't know where I am. If I get lost here, I'll never get out. Uh, if I break down, nobody else is ever going to see me again. It was, it was a crazy kind of a uh, situation. But I, was, I had this one focus in my, in my thoughts was, Stay right on his tail. I have no idea where I am. Follow the guy. Don't lose him, because if I lose him, I don't know if I'll ever find my way out of here. Um, there's a great verse that God has been using, he's pummeling me with for several weeks now as we move through this series of crises that we're, we're facing these days. It comes from Romans 8.14, and it, it's not specifically what I want to speak about, but it really does shape all the thoughts that I want to share with you today. The verse comes from Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, and it says this, All those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. There's a very unique relationship between being a child of God and being led by the Spirit of God. Those two are not separated. They go together. But it's interesting as you really look at it a little deeper, the word led, to lead someone, means to move, to transport, to bring someone from where they are to another point, another place. And the Holy Spirit leads us. If we are the children of God, we are not only uh, led by him, but we are following him. He's moving. We're moving. He's taking us from where we are to where we need to go. I think during a, a lot of these weeks, we've had a lot of thoughts about hanging on and survival and making it through without realizing that the Holy Spirit is leading us, even in these dark times, these confusing times, maybe, is a better way to put it. And if he is moving, we need to be moving with him. And the question we should need to ask is not how are we going to survive, but where is God taking us? Where is the Holy Spirit leading us? Because if we are the children of God, we need to be led by the Spirit of God. And to be led means to be moving. So my question is, where are we going? 
Now, we're in this wilderness kind of an area. It's uncharted territory. COVID-19 has brought us into a place we've never been to before. It's wilderness. It's easy to get lost in the wilderness. Um, a guy by the name of Dick Foth, uh, very interesting personality, great speaker, a number of years ago made the comment, he said, when you're in the wilderness, you don't need a map. A map will not help you. You don't know where you are. You don't know your bearings. Maps are almost useless in the wilderness. What you need if you're in the wilderness is not a map. You need a guide. You need someone that you can follow, just like I followed that pastor through Newark, someone who knows where he's going, and you've got to stay right on his tail. I want to talk to you today uh, in that kind of a mentality. Where is God taking us? Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, during one of the devotionals shared online from Lifetree, uh, one of our, our Lifetree personnel, a great, great uh, guy, Joe Latini, made a comment about trusting the process and how important it was to trust God. He's got a process. Trust the process. And I want to pick up on Joe's mentality and share with you some thoughts today about not only trusting the process, but trust the guide. Trust the guide. Find the Holy Spirit. See where he's leading Follow him and trust the guide. And that's what we're going to focus on today. First, let's open up in prayer, and then we'll dive in. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for Life Tree Church. I thank you for every person that's involved, for each person that's viewing today. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us. Give us ears that hear. Give us eyes that see. Give us minds that understand what it is that you're saying and hearts that are ready and willing to follow you like Israel followed the cloud, to follow you wherever you lead us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a great book I read uh, a little while back. Uh, it's got an interesting title, and I highly recommend it if you're uh, interested in, in the things that I'm going to be talking about today. The book is called The Coddling of the American Mind. The Coddling of the American Mind. It was written by Greg Lukianoff. Um, and he says in that book that there are, there are things that we deal with in life, and just about everything that we deal with uh, comes from one of three different groups. There are three specific natures of things that we deal with. And to communicate to you what I want to share, it's important that you understand the natures, these three different natures of the things that we interact with uh, in, in, in our days and in all that we do. The first nature of things that we deal with is Things that are, what I'll, the word that he uses is things that are fragile. There are things that are fragile. Something that's fragile is something breakable, something delicate. I remember when Dan was first born. He's our first son. Uh, we were excited. We went out and we bought some Christmas items for his first Christmas. And we got, like many of you parents, that one Christmas ornament, baby's first Christmas. Our first baby, our first Christmas with a baby, our first, they, this was great. We were so excited. We hung it on the tree. It was so exciting to do that. But since then, now, I don't want to tell you how old Dan is, not because he's old, because it makes me feel old. But so many years later, every time we break out the Christmas ornaments and I see that, I panic. Because what first brought so much joy now is, is terrifying because don't let it break. It's delicate. It's fragile. It's something that breaks easily. I really think they need to make baby's first Christmas ornaments out of plastic or rubber or something like that. But they don't. They make them out of some very fragile things. Something that is fragile uh, is something that uh, cannot experience stress. Stress and strain are lethal to something that's fragile. Fragile things shatter under pressure. Porcelain is fragile. Crystal is fragile. 
Remember in junior high school, that classic project of taking an egg and you had for 24 hours, you had to guard this egg and protect it from breaking. Uh, that kind of meant anything can break it. Anything can shatter it. Exposure to stress harms anything that's fragile. What doesn't kill them makes them weaker. It doesn't help them. They're, they're very delicate. Uh, in the Bible, we see references to things that are very fragile, even in spiritual areas. Holiness for example, is very fragile. You can't expose holiness and compromise it in several different areas and expect it. You can't involve yourself in several different things that are questionable and maintain holiness. Holiness has to be guarded. It has to be protected. You cannot compromise it. In Proverbs 4.23, uh, the, the Bible tells us, guard your heart for all the springs of life flow from it. Your heart needs to be guarded. In a sense, your heart is fragile. It's easily influenced. You have to protect it. You've got to be very careful with that. And if you're not, things can turn sour very quickly. Fragile areas of life can't sustain being challenged or compromised. But if you keep them safe, they will last indefinitely. First nature, the nature of fragility, things that are fragile. Nature number two, there are things that are fragile. Then there are things that are resilient, resilient. Things that are resilient, normal stress and strain makes no, it's irrelevant to them. Um, unless they're extremely abused, they just return to their original state no matter how they're treated. Tupperware is resilient. You can drop it. You can be careful with it. You can treat it like China, or you can treat it however you want. You can throw it. You can let the kids play with it. You can sit on it. You can let the dog chew on it. It's no worse for the wear. Tupperware is resilient. Speaking of dogs chewing on it, dogs are resilient. You, you love your dog. You had a dog. If you, you're a dog person, you, you love the puppy. He's so cute, this, that. You have a bad day. You come home, and that cute little puppy that you love so much, you're angry. You take out your emotion on the dog. You yell at him. You scream. The dog puts his tail between his legs. He runs off into the corner because he doesn't know what's going on. 30 seconds later, you have a change of heart. You call him over. You give him a piece of meat. He comes with his tail wagging, licking you back to normal. It didn't matter what you were doing before. It doesn't matter how you treated him. He just bounces back to his original state. He's resilient. Dogs are resilient. He's your best friend again. In the Bible, we see examples of things that are resilient. One of the verses that speaks to this is it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses actually 2 or 3 verses 8 through 10, says this, we are pressed down on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. In this sense, we're kind of like Tupperware. We get beat around, but we bounce back. There is a resilient nature in areas of our spiritual being. As I thought about it, I also thought about acceptance and forgiveness. And it's amazing to realize how acceptance and forgiveness are resilient. It doesn't matter how many times you come to God in repentance. It doesn't matter how many times you feel like you've done something wrong and you want to come back and, and repent of it and God's going to get frustrated. It doesn't matter. The Bible is very clear. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. 
he is just, and he will forgive. It doesn't say after five times he quits, after ten times he quits. Matter of fact, Jesus made a point of talking to the disciples about forgiving not only seven times or 70 times, but 70 times seven. And that's not talking about 490 times. And he's saying, as often as you come, he will treat you just like it's resilient. Forgiveness is resilient. It always goes back to it. You come to God. And let me just encourage you, whoever you are, as a side note, if you've ever felt like you've done too many things, God will be upset with you. You've just blown it too many times. He's going to say enough never happens. Forgiveness is resilient. Every time you come back to him, he receives you with open arms. So you've got things that are by nature fragile, things that are by nature resilient. And then the third nature he talks about is what he calls the word that's unfamiliar to us. He uses the word anti-fragile, things that are anti-fragile. Now, anti-fragile just does, doesn't just mean strong things like Tupperware or things that are resilient. Anti-fragile talks about things that not only can endure stress, but they grow stronger. They grow stronger with stress, and they grow weaker without stress. They need stress to grow strong. What is threatening to something that is fragile is actually beneficial to something that is anti-fragile. There's a statement that says the wind that extinguishes the candle, which is fragile, energizes a fire, which is in a sense anti-fragile. The same wind, the same stress that blows out the candle fuels the fire. Muscles are anti-fragile. If you challenge them, if you put them under stress and you use them and wear them out, they grow. If you protect them, if you guard them, if you don't use them at all, they atrophy. It goes the other way. They need stress to grow. How do babies learn to walk? Before they learn to walk, they have to learn balance. And before they learn balance, you know what they learn? They have to learn how to fall. Babies learn to walk first by learning how to fall. Once they've learned how to fall, they start to get this balance thing, and then eventually they learn to walk. If you protect your child or child, if you protect a baby, a child from falling, if you make sure he never or she never has one of those tumbles, you will greatly delay, if not completely terminate their ability to walk. So it's only by failure that they, it's only by that stress. Um, and here's what I really want to focus in on today. This is the, the unique thought that got me going with the situation that we're in. To get the most out of the situation that we're in, to get the most out of COVID-19, we've got to realize that faith is not fragile. Faith is not just resilient. Faith is anti-fragile. That song, I'll praise you in the storm. There's something about the storm that activates muscle growth in our faith. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, speak very specifically about this. It says this, We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. The problems help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will never disappoint us. See, faith 
is anti-fragile. It enjoys calm, but it only thrives. It only grows under stress. So you have three natures. You have things that are fragile, break very easily. Things that are resilient, they bounce back no matter how you treat them. And things that are anti-fragile, they only grow under stress. Now, before I give you some practical challenges, let me give you a few related insights about these three natures. Number one is this. You can't decide if something is fragile or resilient or anti-fragile. You can only recognize it. You can't choose what is going to be fragile or what is going to be anti-fragile or what is going to be resilient. It's the nature of the item itself. It is what it is. You can't change it. You can't decide it. You can't change it. Number two, if you violate something's nature, it's going to suffer. If you treat something that's fragile as if it was resilient or anti-fragile, it will break. If you treat something that's anti-fragile as if it was fragile, you greatly harm its development. You need to treat it for what it is. If you've ever seen uh, the videos of a butterfly emerging out of a cocoon or a chrysalis or whatever scientific word you want to use, it's a very amazing process. And if you've ever seen it actually where you've had a cocoon that splits open, you know the feeling that you have as you see this butterfly straining and struggling trying to get out. Scientists tell us that that struggle to get out of the cocoon forces fluid from its body into its wings. And because of that pressure of trying to get out, the wings filled with fluid then function. If you help it, if you break it open so it's easier, protect the butterfly, help them, prevent it from the struggle, you prevent that fluid from getting into the wings. And although in kindness you try to help it, in reality, you're basically sealing its death. You will kill it by doing that. It needs the struggle to survive. In the same way, our faith is anti fragile. Some areas of our lives are fragile, some are resilient, but some are anti-fragile. And if we violate the nature of that item, that part of our life, why am I saying all this? If Dan was speaking today, he would say, so what? So what? This is a so what part of my, my thoughts to you today. What do we do with all this? Here's what we do with it. Number one, I have a couple of challenges for you or suggestions. Let me put it that way. Suggestions for you. Number one, I would highly recommend that you identify the areas of your life that you see, that you recognize areas that are fragile. If you treat them with stress and roughly, they will break. You need to guard and protect those areas. Identify areas that are resilient and identify the things in your life that are anti-fragile. Guard holiness. Guard your heart. Protect your relationships. Those are areas that are fragile. Make sure you protect them. There are other areas that are resilient. And you can be a little more casual with them. You can kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm okay here. But then there are those areas that are anti-fragile. And you need to understand what they are and the stress that they need. 
So number one, identify the areas of your life that are fragile, resilient, and anti-fragile. Number two, treat each area in accordance to its nature. Treat it in a way that's consistent with what it needs. Don't try to muscle areas that are fragile and don't try to protect areas that are anti-fragile. You know where I'm going with this. Number three, surrender to the reality that God will protect you and God will challenge you and he will expose you as he knows is best for you. In areas where you are genuinely fragile, he will rescue you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. He knows when you need to be rescued. But he also knows areas where you're more resilient and you can take it. And then he knows those areas where you are anti-fragile. And not only can you take the stress, you need the stress to grow. Surrender to the reality that God is in charge watching you and doing what's best for you. Now let me wrap all this up with a verse from Psalms. It's Psalm 84, verse 11. Psalm 84, 11 says this. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. I love this psalm. I love this verse. The Lord is like the sun and he's like a shield. The sun gives light. The sun gives warmth. In one sense, God is the God who gives. He, he pushes us. He, he lets things happen. On the other side, he's like a shield. He protects. He guards. He rescues. There are times when he gives and there are times when he prevents things from being given. There are times when he does what we ask. There are times when he doesn't do what we ask. But we need to remember in both of those times, the second part of that verse, no good thing will he withhold from those who do what is right. There's a condition here. We need to be living for God. This is not a blanket promise to all humanity. But if you're serving him to the best of your ability, not perfect. You're just doing your, you're, you're serving God. You're doing what you know you should do as best you can. If you're serving him with your heart, with a right heart, the promise is this, no good thing will he withhold. Now that phrase is what we're going to wrap up with. No good thing will he withhold. This is what it means. Number one, if it's good, he's going to give it. If it's good, he's going to give it. Number two, if he gives it or he allows it, it must be good. See, no good thing will he withhold. If he doesn't withhold it, he, he allows it, it's got to be good. If it's good, he will allow it. If he allows it, it must be good. Number three, let's go to the other side. If it's not good, he will withhold it. But the corollary is just as true. If he withholds it, it must not be good. Now, that's a tough one. Because we know that we, if we were God right now, we would wipe all this out, make it all go away, and put things back to normal. Because that obviously to us is good. But our vision is limited. We just see a part of the picture. Because we're in a wilderness, and we don't know what's all around us. He sees much more than we can. No good thing will he withhold means. If it's good, he gives it. If he gives it, it's good. If it's not good, he won't give it. 
If he doesn't give it, it's because it's not good. Verse 12 says this, How joyful is it to trust in him, of Psalm 84. How joyful is it for those who trust in him. To be able to trust the guide who knows the good things that we need and the things that are not good that need to be withheld and trust him fully to surrender to the reality that God will protect us and challenge us as we best need is joyful for the people that follow him. So let me challenge you today. Let me wrap this up with this thought. Can I ask you to make the choice to trust God completely? Completely. If you continue to live, you will continue to face difficult times. You can't get away from it. Sometimes in those times of difficulty, he will rescue you. Other times, he may not. When he doesn't rescue you, remember, it's not because he has forgotten you. It's because he thinks you are capable of rising to the challenge and you need this to grow. You're not abandoned when he doesn't answer your cry for help. You're anti-fragile. This is your faith, which is tried and comes out through endurance stronger than ever. So rejoice when you run into problems and trials, for you know that they help develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will never lead to disappointment. Regardless of the wilderness that we're in, focus on the one who leads us. Trust the guide. He knows where he's going. He knows who we are. He knows our nature. He knows what we can take. He knows what we can't take. And rather than fighting, choose to trust him and submit to him. And above all, trust the guide. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for its relevance to us where we live today. I pray that you'll continue to give us eyes that see. See the world that we live in. See how we fit in it. See how we, we respond. Ears that hear. Hear your voice speaking. That hear your word to us. Give us minds that continue to understand and translate your word into ways and relevant thoughts and patterns of behavior that make us more like Jesus and hearts that just simply trust you and trust our guide. And for that, we give you thanks and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So good seeing you today. Have a great day. Trust the guide each day that you go. You're in the wilderness. You don't need a map. You need somebody who knows where he's going, and we have a guide. Trust him each day that you live. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com.